Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. You know, when you, uh, when you have a child, l- lay your hands on that child. Amen. Every Friday, speak prophecy over that child. May our thank you, Lord, that our sons, and even if the sons aren't there yet, or may they are, thank you, Lord, that our sons are like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thank you that our daughters, our granddaughters, are like Rebecca, Sarah, Rachel, and Leah. You know, you have the right. How many know you're made in the image of God? Right? You're made in the image of God. What does that mean? God's not a person. God's a spirit, but when it means we're made in the image of God, God speaks things into existence. And when we're made in the image of God, that's why the Lord says, put a guard on your mouth. If there any, if it be anything lovely, anything wonderful, anything good, think on these things and speak them, calling things which are not as though they are. We're, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you right now what we're going to do, but I am stirred up about our youth and our next generation. And we're making some major changes uh, in the church uh, so that we can better reach the youth, better take care of the youth, better raise the youth up uh, as the next generation of leaders, should the Lord tarry. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've been seeing everything that's been going on with Disney and with the schools and with all that stuff. And I'm telling you something, folks, they've declared war, but greater is in he than is in us. You know, we always told our kids, don't go looking for a fight. But if a fight comes looking for you, take him down. Take him down. And I don't mean just slap. I don't mean a Will Smith slap. I mean knock down, kick their teeth out, stamp on their head until the snake is dead. When you, when you start, when you start, you know, we're going to talk about Bible prophecy again today. And never, you know, I've, I've been saved. How long have we been saved? 46 years. And when I first got saved, you know, I came in off the streets. I didn't come in from church and, and uh, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I came from the streets. I came from the hood. And when they said, you know, right before the Lord returns, it'll be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, you know, well, what's Sodom and Gomorrah? And then they told me. And I said, I know that's one thing I don't have to worry about. We're Americans. Bless God, we wear cowboy boots and cowboy hats. But now they're teaching our kids. I saw a thing on Fox News where the school system in Wisconsin said, you as a parent do not have the right to know your child's gender. We'll take care of that. Now, we're not talking about college students. We're talking about kindergarten, first grade, second grade. One teacher wrote on the bulletin board, if your parents 
don't understand your gender. I'm your new mom. You're my new mom without any teeth is what you are. We need to get serious about this. You need, to, you need to declare, we will not let them teach these things to our... You know, you know. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, we used to call those people pedophiles. Now, pastor, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be a man of God and you're representing the Lamb of God. Well, my Lamb got so ticked off one time, he walked right into the temple, kicked the money tables over, took a whip and drove them out. It's time we wake up. You want to know what a woke movement is? It's time we wake up. And listen, all of this stuff, all this stuff, one half of 1% of the population say they're gay, and yet we're doing this. You know what one, the teachers are saying? Religion is evil. Religion is evil. All of this, all of this from anti-Semitism on down, it is anti-God. They're trying to remove God from America. But I declare, me and my family and my church and your family and your kids, we will serve the living God. Can I have an amen? So let's pray. Pray for us. Pray that God will give us wisdom. I'm praying that God will give you wisdom. We're looking at doing some major things to boost, to boost right here in this church, this ministry, and through our television, the reaching of, of children, the standing up. I'm still praying about starting a charter school here. Uh, I know it's inconvenient. I know it's a lot of work. But I will not allow some teacher, shame on you, to teach that is not that is none of your business it's our business to tell to train our children up and if we train them up in the ways they should go when they're old they won't depart from it can i get some support here can i get some support here you know too many people think christians are these sissies you know them. Well, I love you, Lord. Well, you know, I tried. I tried to be a reverend. I tried to be. It just doesn't fit me. I'm from the streets. I have the whole armor of God on me, and I have the armor of God not to dance a tutu. I have the armor of God to go against the devil, and if we fight, I read at the end of the book, we win. It's time to get serious. Amen. Trust me, I have been hard to live with the last week. I am so upset. Did you see those videos that Disney, they, they, they leaked out of Disney? Did you, did you see those videos? The executives of Disney talking to each other on a, on a, on a video and saying, we're going to sneak in the queer. The parents won't even know we're doing it. We'll put boys, and they're, they're talking about, and Disney won't even, and they won't stop us, they're helping us. These are executive of the I will never buy another Disney thing. I will never go to Disney. I'm going to Dolly World or Knott's Berry Farm or Six Flags. I'm telling you something. You got to fight back on this. You cannot say, all right, I'm, I'm ready to. Um, you know, the Bible says be angry and sin not. Didn't say don't get angry. 
It's just righteous indignation. And if the, if this if this doesn't upset you, we're we're going to have on Good Friday. We're going to have a miracle service. And well, we're seeing we're seeing some. We know about Lion and Tizza's miracle. We're seeing miracles. I mean, major physical miracles. But one of the things I want to do, either then or between then, do we have any teachers in this room? Do we have any school teachers in this room? God's bless. Wow, several. All right. Man, we need to pray for our teachers, amen? Boy, may God be with you. Anyway, I got to preach. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you that we can come boldly before your throne. It's a throne of power and might and mercy and grace. Father, we pray for our nation. We pray for our our state and our city. We pray for every one of us here. We pray over our families and we speak with authority. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we declare that we are more than conquerors. We bind the forces of darkness that it's in our government and in our school systems and in anywhere in, in our nation and in the world. And we speak the blessing and the peace of God. Look at me one second. I just got a text. You and I are partnering with the nation of Israel for, uh, to get Jews to escape um, uh, Ukraine, we are now over 10,000 Jews that we have helped bring into the nation of Israel. Before we see it, I want you to think about this. We've already, we already gave, last two weeks, we gave a half a million dollars. We're, we're pledged another million or so with all that we're doing. But remember when I gave you that scripture, the week that um, Russia invaded Ukraine, And uh, the Torah portion was the finishing of the building of the Mishkan, the the temple of God in the desert. And when God saw this, he came and his shadow filled the place where Moses couldn't even stand up. This is really being slain in spirit, right? Moses couldn't even stand up. But it's an interesting thing. Whenever you see numbers, the listing of numbers, it's God's message. And it said the number of those who went to war could go to war was 603,550. And I'm looking at that. Remember I taught this? I looked at that and I said, where have I seen that number just in the last day or so? 603,550. Where have I seen that number? And then it dawned on me and I went to the world data uh, on the uh, internet, and the square mass of the land that Russia is trying to take back is 603,550 square miles. Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence, right? In ancient Hebrew, there, there's no word for coincidence. When we were in Israel this last time, I was doing Shabbat dinner with the head of Karen Hazel, Sam and his family. And we we're talking about this, of having eyes to see what is God saying. And his daughter said, you know, Pastor Larry, in modern Hebrew, when it says by chance, if you turn those letters around, it says only by God. And so here's what I want to propose to all of us. And you've already done amazing things. We don't take an offering here. We just let people give out of their heart. And you amaze me. I mean, you amaze you, you, You all amaze me. But I'm thinking, why did God show us this number? 
those who finished the tabernacle and the presence of God fell. We've already given to this project a half a million dollars. Let's raise up another $103,550. Now, no pressure, no pressure on anybody, but if we would all do our part, just like building the Mishkan, that's just, that would get us up to $603,550 to saving Jewish lives and fulfilling Bible prophecy. Because think about this, and this is where you guys are going to have a major part. Not only and, and when we first started, if you remember, we were going to bring in six to 8,000. We were going to partner with Israel. We would pay the air flight. But once they get there, they got to have a place to, they, for over a year, they got to be trained. They got to eat. They got to uh, language. They got to uh, have a bed and a chair and all this. Well, now we're up to 150,000 that we're going to have to bring in. I mean, it's, this is, this is, this is the last Exodus that the Bible talks about. And we need to have eyes to see and ears here. So I want you to pray, no pressure, but I want you to pray. I would like to raise just for this project, another $103,550. I'll give the 50 and, and fulfill. And I'm believing by us doing this, the shadow of God, and I believe it matches the message I'm bringing today. The shadow of God is getting ready to fall because I know it looks bad out there, but folks, we're not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Sit down. I went way, I, I preached my hello longer than churches keep, stay in church now. Open your Bibles up to the book of Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to continue on with the seven churches of Revelation. Now, when I first started this series, the seven churches of Revelation, let me back up a little bit, just encourage everybody, because we always have thousands of new people come on stream with us every Sunday. Um, the book of Revelations, a lot of people want to avoid the book of Revelations because the book of Revelations seems to be doom and gloom. And it is scary. I mean, there's bad things are going to happen in the book of Revelation, but it's only for those who what? Don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. So when you look at the book of Revelation, it's never God said, bam, it's over. He said, wake up, pay attention turn around, go the other way. And if you do, it's going to go from doom and gloom into blessing and happiness. And so that's what this is all about. So the reason I started the seven churches of revelation is because I'm looking at the world today and I'm seeing the world fulfilling Bible prophecy. Like I have never seen in my entire life. I don't think it's ever happened more than when Jesus came the first time. I believe the prophecies are being fulfilled more in what's happening in Jesus coming the second time. Matter of fact, if you look at the Bible, and I know you know this, but if you look at the Bible, when it talks about the, the Lord's first coming, the Bible talking about the second coming is eight times as many scriptures as about the first coming. Why? Because the second coming, that's it. And we don't want to miss 
what God is getting ready to do. So when I started this, it was when COVID began. And we saw the government shutting down the world. They shut down the world. And, and you know, I was just two weeks ago in Jerusalem, uh, was invited again by the Israeli government to come and speak. They brought in all these uh, leaders of parliament from Africa, Europe, Central and South America, and they talk politics. My job is to talk the Bible to these, to these national leaders. And it's amazing. These are politicians. But it's amazing how many during coffee, during a break, during lunch, during dinner would come up and say, Pastor Larry, let me ask you something. Because Russia's going on, everything's going on. And uh, they said, is this the end of the world? And I, my answer would be, and don't send me letters because I, I don't read any nasty letters. Nancy reads them all and throws them away. And I know the Bible says the wicked servant says the master delays his coming. I know that. So in this, and I say this every time, I believe Jesus could come before we say amen. But I think perhaps, and I don't want to be the wicked servant, I believe perhaps we have a little bit of time because... I think we're in the threshold, and that's why we're going to talk about miracles on Good Friday. We're in the threshold of the greatest time in the kingdom of God that we have ever seen. Signs and wonders and miracles. And that leads into what I'm going to talk about today. You know, when we start ta- first started doing this, we looked at COVID. We looked at the COVID vaccine uh, mandate and the, you had to have a card. You couldn't go to work, couldn't buy, couldn't sell. Is this the mark of the beast? And, and, and uh, uh, wars and rumors of wars and Gog and Magog, Russia and Moscow, the hook being pulled in their jaw. And, and, and you know, we were in classified meetings and I can tell you this, I can't tell you what some of the things we heard, but Boy, this is more. This is this is one madman away from pushing a button, and there's other countries that are going along with them, like Iran, who America is doing a deal with, China, who America is doing a deal with. Thank God we got elections coming up in November. Amen. But I think one of the things that shocks me, and you know, we're talking about lawlessness. Um, do y'all remember the times in which some of the cities, like Portland and and Seattle were allowing people to go in and just destroy? Destroy, huh? Federal buildings, shops, businesses. Yeah, go ahead and do it. We're living in a country, lawlessness. That's one of the last signs, lawlessness. We're living in a country where people, I think especially California, can go in, walk in, smash a counter, grab jewelry, and the police won't arrest them. What is it? You can steal a thousand dollars worth now and not get charged. How much is this watch? Nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. It's mine. We're in a time of insanity, but all of these things are birth pangs. Can can you bring up my timeline? Can you bring up my timeline? We need to understand where we are, and the Church of Sardis in Revelations three maybe more than any other ones, shows where we are on God's timeline. And once again, it's amazing 
that with all the delays we've had in teaching the seven churches, we're here in the church of Sardis right before we go into what the church calls Easter, what the Bible calls Passover. Look, look at the timeline, okay? Purim is when God turned the story upside down. Passover, the book of Esther, the only book in the Bible that doesn't mention the name of God. It's the uh, Esther Panim, the hidden face of God. Boy, that's happened right now in Russia. All of a sudden, their world's turned upside down, but you and I have partnered with the nation of Israel, and we're turning it back over again, and what Satan meant for evil, God is using it for good. We look at Passover, the first coming of Jesus. From Passover to Pentecost, Shavuot, how many weeks are there? Seven weeks. Now, it's important that we understand from Passover to Pentecost, from salvation to being filled with the Holy Spirit is seven, say seven, seven weeks. It's important because you'll see why. From Shavuot into the month of Elul, the blowing of the shofar. The blowing of the shofar is for 30 days preparing everyone, all the children of God. Get ready. There is about to have, we're about to have an event that will change your world forever. What is that event? Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. That event is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is when God opens the Lamb's book of life. Now, I believe Rosh Hashanah and the rapture will happen on the same day. Passover happened exactly when God said it would. Pentecost, Shavuot happened exactly when God said it would. So it makes sense that the rapture, Rosh Hashanah, will happen on that day. That what, do you mean that we can't get raptured today? No, I might be wrong. <laughs> but I believe the birth pangs are waking us up. Now, a couple things. When you look at Rosh Hashanah, the, when Rosh Hashanah, it's going to be either the rapture, which means it's eternal, or it'll be a judgment on all of our lives on blessings or curses for a whole nother year. Because on Rosh Hashanah, they open up the book to see if your name is written. That's why for 30 days, God is blowing the shofar. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the birth pangs. It's the birth pangs. Nobody, I don't think anybody is ever surprised when they birth a baby. I had no idea. Look what I found, honey. There are birth pangs, ladies, right? That's saying get ready. So when they open up the book, those who, those who have made the rapture, we will receive the preparation for our reward. Then we have seven days until we get into Yom Kippur. In Yom Kippur is the second coming. The second coming, it is sealed, and on Yom Kippur, we are then closed. If, if it's sealed and we've made the rapture, we're, we're, we're clothed in white. Everybody say white. Now, this is all in Sardis. After, after, at the end of Yom Kippur is Battle of Armageddon, where the Lord comes back. He comes back on a white stallion. When he came the first time, he came riding in on what? A donkey. He came in as a servant. But when he comes back the second time, he comes back on a white stallion, and he comes back not as a servant, but he comes back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And behind him is the army of God 
clothed in what color? White, 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 white. Now, isn't it funny that we're coming to the last great battle where the Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast will be destroyed. It is the battle of Armageddon. It is Russia coming down. It is China coming down. It is uh, uh, some of the enemies of Israel, other enemies of Israel coming down. And here we come behind the Lord dressed in white. Now, who dresses in white to go to war? Do you know why we're in white? Because we don't fight. We sit back and say, get them, Lord. Go head on. Go head on. Knock their, knock their lips off. We don't fight. He comes in and with the breath of his mouth, the enemy is destroyed. So the reason I want to show you that is because looking where we're at right now, right now, we're coming right now. We're, what, two weeks away from Easter, from Passover? And here we are reading the church of Sardis, and I really believe God has a prophetic message. Now, understand, I know all of you do, but the book of Revelation, John is on the island of Patmos. And as he's on the island of Patmos, he has a vision of Jesus. Jesus comes and speaks to him. This is, this is the John who laid his head on the, on the breast of Jesus. This is the John who was Jesus' favorite. But when he sees this Jesus, he didn't even recognize him. Matter of fact, when he sees this Jesus, he ah, and falls down like a dead man. <laughs> this is the Jesus that is coming, and he is upset. And so in this message... He has John write down seven different messages to seven churches. Now, let's read Revelations chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Sardis, write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Now, even though John is writing these things down concerning the first church, every scholar will tell you that these are things that were represented in every church throughout all the ages for 2,000 years. But as everyone will also say, this is a prophetic message to the church that will see the second coming of the Lord. When we read all these other churches, we saw these elements in the church world today. And God allows us to see it as a warning. But listen to what he says to Sardis. Sardis is called the dead church. Um, Swindle did a message on this years and years ago, and I remember him saying, if every Christian in the world was like you, what would the church look like? Because even though he's writing this to the pastors and he's writing it to the church, he's writing it to each and every one of us because each and every one of us is the church. So if the Lord were to come today and every Christian in the world 
was like you are as a Christian, how strong would the church be? Say, that's good preaching, Pastor. See, he's going from preaching to meddling. He's, my, he's, he's, he's in my business. He said, you have a reputation of being alive, but I know you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die, for I have not found, I have not found your works perfect before God. In other words, they're not quite dead yet. They're on life support, but they're not quite dead yet. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast. Repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour in which I will come upon you. Now, we're getting this a little bit. What is he talking about? You're going to miss the rapture. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're going to miss the rapture because I really know you're dead. This, now, this is a serious work, isn't it? You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. White, remember that, if I can get to that today. They are worthy. He, is, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garment. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And once again, he always ends it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. So here we have a definition of the church in Sardis. And the church in Sardis, God labels as the dead church. Now, the first thing I want you to look at very quickly here this morning is he says, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, instead of going to the seven spirits first, I want to look at the seven stars because that's easy to explain. He told us what the seven stars are in Revelation chapter one. The seven stars are the pastors. So first off, he's speaking to the pastors, the angels of the church. And he's saying, you're the leader. You're the one who is the shepherd of your flock. And so I am speaking to you because as the shepherd goes, so goes the sheep. Judgment begins where? In the house of God. If judgment begins in the house of God, it ought to begin with those who are in the ministry. He says, I know you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I can remember, and I've told you this story before, of I was golfing with Marcus Lamb, and and we had some other friends with us. We were talking about a move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this one friend of mine, good friend of mine, great guy, and he says, uh, Pastor, this guy, I know him. He's a pastor in a church down south. He wants to meet you. And I said, oh, I'd love to meet him. He said, it'd be great. He has a great church. And I stopped there and I said, explain to me a great church. And he said, well, he runs almost 1,000 people. I said, that doesn't make it a great church. Now, nothing wrong with people. You know, we want our church to grow. We want our television ministry to grow. We want our stream audience to grow because that can, that means we're reaching and teaching more people. But the numbers of a church 
doesn't mean whether it's great or or not great. There may be very small churches that are reaching people on the streets and getting people saved and seeing lives change and seeing marriages held together. There may be churches that are great, but they don't teach on sin. They don't teach the word of God. They don't teach the Bible. Many years ago, I was, uh, Scotty and I, and I've told you the story, we're in Jerusalem and we were asked to come and meet one of the heads of is one of the Israeli main security things. And they said, we wanted to meet you to ask you to keep teaching what you're teaching because we're on television every day in Israel. And they said, we, I want, part of our job is to watch what preachers from America are preaching. And this man, he's an Orthodox Jew. He doesn't know. He said, what happened to the American church? They're not teaching the word of God anymore. They're not teaching the Bible. So our job is, is not to our job is not to just look at the numbers, and I love numbers. Don't get me wrong. I love numbers. But our job as a church, and, I, and I'm saying this for, uh, not as one uh, condemning, but one who is a shepherd. Our job is to teach the Word of God that will change people's lives, that will introduce them to what God has for them. Our job is not to be so visitor-friendly that we don't teach the Word of God anymore, and more than that, we don't welcome in the Spirit of God. Amen? So we've got to decide what is a great church. I'm sure the church in Sardis, from what historians say was uh, uh, a church that was wealthy, a church that had finances, a church that had numbers, and all those things are great. But God says you have a reputation that you are alive, but I know that you are really dead. You know, years ago, um, I, I was on the board of a certain church organization and I was actually in Portland still, and they had this ministry come into Texas here, in the Dallas area. And uh, it was a ministry that um, laughed. Everything was laughing. And everybody, ha, 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 you know, one guy got prophesied, I'm going to snap, crackle, and pop you in the joy of the Lord. And so everybody, they couldn't make it to the pulpit. They were all laughing. So a guy that was on the board with, we, we said, you know, uh, this, because this gentleman wanted to come to Portland. He went, and I said, I'm not going to have that in my church. That's, it's not in the Bible. It's re- look at it. You know, maybe because I'm from the streets, I'm used to con artists. And so these guys in the organization went and they called me the next day and I said, how was it? He said, absolutely ridiculous. It was, it was so ridiculous. But listen to what the head of our organization said then. But you should see the numbers they draw. You should see the money they're bringing in. I'm not against numbers. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not against money. I am really not against money. If I, had, if I had one member in my church and that member tithed $50 million a year, he would be the best member I've ever had. But that's not what it's about. Now watch this. This is going to show. And I, I'm not saying that to belittle anyone. I'm saying that that we need to wake up The church of Sardis was known for social entertainment rather than the presence of God. 
I think when I think about that, I think about the story of Samson. Boy, I haven't I haven't preached on Samson in a long time. And the Bible says the spirit left Samson and he didn't even know it departed. Now that scares me. I don't want to wake up one day and find out that God has wrote Ichabod on my life. The glory has departed. The spirit left Samson and he didn't even know it was gone. This is, a, this is a major warning to us as pastors. And it's a major warning to you who are co- people of the congregations. You need to hold us accountable. Number one, are we teaching the word of God? You think about in the book of Zechariah. Can you turn with me to Zechariah 4, verse 1? Can we pull that up? As, you're turning, as we're turning to Zechariah 4, verse 1, I want to show you. We won't take time to read it. But if you have a chance, read Zechariah 3, 9. Look at me a second as they're pulling that up. Zechariah 3, 9, leading into this, talks about a stone with seven eyes on it. A stone with seven eyes. Now, without going in, because I, I don't have time to go into this today, but remember the Lord says, he, unless you build the house on the rock, unless you build the house on the rock, he who labors, labors in vain. If you build it on the sand, when the storm comes or persecution comes or false doctrine comes or whatever, it's going to wash that house away. Whether it's my, the house of Huck or the house of New Beginnings or whatever house of God there is, you've got to build that on the rock. You've got to build it on the rock. What's the rock? Well, in Zechariah 3, 9, when it talks about the stone with seven eyes, and I don't know if I'll get, get to get into it. It's fascinating teaching. But the eyes, the seven eyes, are the eyes of God, and the eyes of God is the word of God. So what is God saying? We can have great dancing and singing and entertainment and everything, we can, and that we want that. We want all of that. But that's not what you build the house on. You build the house on the word of God. And the word of God is forever and ever and ever. Otherwise, it's going to go down. Pull back up. You took it down. Pull back up. Now, the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a manner who is wakened from his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on it, on top of it, and on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes and seven. Two olive trees are built by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, what are these things, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said, to me, do you not know what these things are? And I said, no, my Lord. And he answered and he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain before Zerubbabel, 
you shall become a plain and he shall bring forth the capstone without shouts, with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the days of small things? For these seven rejoice, these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord who scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now, let me show you what God is talking about. First off, when he's talking about seven lampstands, we know he's talking about the lampstand, the menorah that stands in the temple of God. If we can bring up the menorah. This is the menorah. This is an exact replica of the menorah that stands in the temple of God. And without getting a whole bunch of scriptures, I got a whole bunch of scriptures on this, but I'll just paraphrase it. He says, not only build this, he told Aaron, when you light it, light it so that, well, that's actually a Hanukkah menorah. That would be, that's a Hanukkah menorah. So one less, one less, uh, um, one less bowl. So he says, when you light it, Number one, have you light it where the flames are facing towards the front? Light it as though the flames are facing towards the front and towards the middle. Now, the reason that is, is because facing towards the middle, the middle one is the presence of God. In, in uh, Hanukkah menorah, it's called the Shemush. It's the servant. It's the Messiah. It's God. It's the word of God. But he says, I want you to light it facing towards the front. Why? Or towards the face. Why? So that when the people come by, they would have through the menorah. The menorah represents the anointing of God. The menorah represents the Shekinah glory. In Hebrew, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The menorah represents the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, I want the flame facing forward. Why? So every person that comes back, they can have through the Holy Spirit of God, a face-to-face divine moment with the presence of God in their individual lives. Remember, Moses up to that time was the only one that God spoke to face to face as he spoke to a friend. And so God said, I want every person who is, who is serving me to have an anointing, to have a power, to have a divine interaction with me because I am not just the God of Moses. I am the God of every man, woman, and child. And this is why I desire a place to dwell and for my presence to affect every person's life. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Now show the second menorah. I mean, I know I'm going through this fast. Show the second menorah. He actually says, but in the menorah that he's describing to uh, Zerubbabel through Zechariah, he says, on each side of the menorah will be an olive tree. Olive trees are where we get the oil which lights the fire. 
It's the anointing oil. By the way, you and I are, have reclaimed land in Judea and Samaria, where the, in the land of Amos, where David tended Jesse's sheep. We are planting, keep that up, we are planting olive trees there. I think we're up to 20,000 olive trees or something like that. And what people are saying, what the rabbis are saying, that the olive trees in which you are planting there will be the olive trees that will anoint the temple when the Messiah comes. So, so why, why, do you, why did God show him this? Because he said, even though times are tough, even though times seem strange, there is an unlimited flow of the anointing oil that will keep the Shekinah glory, keep the Holy Spirit. He will never walk away. He will never desert us. He will never, we can never be without him. And he's saying two things. One, I will always supply you with the power of the Holy Ghost. Think about this. The last thing Jesus Christ said I command you. He didn't say, you know, if you're, if you feel like it, if it's your personality, if it's your makeup, if you, if you're in the mood. No, he said, I command you. Don't you leave without the Holy Spirit. If the first church needed the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more does the last church need to contend for the presence of the Holy Spirit every moment of our lives? Somebody ought to clap. Amen. Now, let me go through this quick. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to skip a bunch. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But when the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro, and I could show you in Revelations, uh, the seven eyes, uh, Revelations chapter 5, Revelations chapter 4. What this is, is this is the power of God. This is the anointing of God. And he's running to and fro, looking for someone that he can be strong, someone he can fill, someone he can lead and guide. And this is in church things. This is in family things. This is in business things. This is in mission work. This is in changing the world. The eyes of the Lord is running everywhere. I don't know about you, but I say, God, here I am. I'm available. Fill me with this end time anointing. Not just as a pastor, every one of us. And I've got all the scriptures, but I want to I get something. I got 14 minutes. I want to show you something. He says, then he says, if you repent and you come back to the things that you know, you know, when I first got saved, I had, I had no church background. I'm from the streets. I'm from the hood. And when I first walked in the church and the worship team was worshiping and the people said, people were lifting up their hands. I didn't know why God says, when you come into my house, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Well, you know, pastor, that's just not my personality. Do you know why the church of Sardis was dead? And I'm skipping a bunch. The spirit was gone. There's no more Holy Spirit. They're just going through the motion. Jesus said the last thing he said, and he's saying it to Peter, James, and John. If Peter, James, and John, who walked with Jesus, saw him resurrect from the dead, if they needed the Holy Spirit, duh, you and I need the Holy Spirit. We've got to have it. Otherwise, we're just going through the motion. 
Well, pastor, you know, it's just not my personality to lift up my hands. Somebody puts a gun in your face and says, lift up your hands. Said, my personality has changed. I'm with you. I'm hub. Praise the Lord. Amen. But why does God say to do that? Because when we lift up our hands and we shout with the voice of triumph and we sing praises unto God, God inhabits, come on somebody, God inhabits, come on people, almighty God inhabits the praises of his people. You've heard me tell the story, but it needs repeating. It's, it's, it's a joke, but it needs repeating. This little boy was sitting in front of this big, fancy church. Remember, God said to the church of Sardis, he said, there, you have a reputation of being alive, but I know your works, you're dead. There's no presence of God. When a, when a person falls down and dies, what leaves them? Their spirit, the breath of God. It's the same thing in the church. Only the church is still on its feet, but the spirit is gone. The little boy sitting out on the steps of this big church, and, and, and all of a sudden Jesus walks up to him, and he said, and the little boy's crying. He said, what's wrong? He goes, they won't let me in. He's all ragged and no shoes, and he said, they won't let me in. And Jesus sits down next to him and starts crying. And the little boy said, Lord, what's wrong with you? He said, they won't let me in either. We have a name. We can get to the point, church, that we have a name. Oh, we're a Christian church, but the Holy Spirit's not there. That's a dangerous thing. That's a, that, that scares me as a pastor the, that I don't want to be that way. That scares me as a shepherd that I don't want the flock to be that way. That scares me on television that it's not just about how much response we get, but are we teaching the word of God? And, it, and the, But the word kills, but it's the anointing, the spirit that gives that life. We must contain for the Holy Spirit. Bring, can you bring my timeline up? I have 10 minutes. Can I have 10 more minutes? Even if you said no, I'm taking it. <laughs> bring my timeline back up. And then he says, if you repent and turn. He said, if you don't, I'm going to come as a thief in the night. Folks, I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I hope this is not true, but I'm afraid there's a lot of people that sit in church on Sunday going to miss the rapture. Because it's not a social club. Now, we're going to do some things, make, us, make more things social for our young people, our teenagers and stuff. We got some plans in the making. But the reason for that is that we can get them saved, disciple them, lead them to the Lord, teach them the things of God. So no matter what they hear on the media or on social media or in movies or in uh, 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 school, they've got a solid foundation of what the Word of God says. That's building it on the rock. We're looking at changing things on this service, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you know in a week or two. But it's time that we understand that we need to contend for the Spirit. We need to know what the Word of God says. It, it, it's getting to the point that, that pastors aren't even opening up the Bible. Well, how can, you, how can you go to war without your gun? It's not about gathering. It's about growing in the things of God. So he says, you missed the rapture. But listen to what he says. He said, he who overcomes shall, not, shall be clothed in white, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father 
and his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Look at the timeline. We're right at Passover. Seven spirits of God. I, I, I don't know how, maybe I'll teach this Sunday, next Sunday. In, in, in ancient Bible wisdom, it says there are seven spirits of God. Seven attributes of God. Seven anointings of God. The Holy Spirit is not just we speak in tongues. That's a big part of it because we pray in the understanding. We pray in the spirit. When Tiz and Lion were sick, I, I could only quote, by his stripes were healed so many times, but I could go by the spirit. And our spirit maketh intercession, speaking things that we don't know in the knowledge, but God and our spirit does. So important. That's why he said, don't leave. Don't leave. I command you don't leave. But he says, between Passover and Shavuot, the day we Pentecost, the day we get filled with the Spirit, there are seven weeks. It's called conning the Omar. We, am I full of kindness? Am I full of gentleness? Am I bold? Am I courageous? Because all these things, my, my Jesus wasn't a wuss. You know? He, you know, I, I hate those pictures of Jesus. Uh, there's time they were going to kill him, and Jesus just looked at him, and they went, "Nine sprechen Sie Deutsch," right? Christians are bold. I hate it. I hate it when when men who are leaders of Christianity all of a sudden become wimpy. You know. I think the more we lead, the more manly we've got to be with kindness, like Jesus was. Anyway, I got, I got two minutes. So here we have seven weeks to prepare ourselves. Then we get into blowing of the shofar. Then we get into Rosh Hashanah. And he said, I won't block your name out of the book. Now, we know that someday, forever, he will open the book. And he will say, is his name written? Is Larry Huck's name written? And they'll say, it was. No, they'll say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And then they'll say, what reward do we have for him? Because he comes to reward us for the things we've done. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's the reason for 30 days of blowing the shofar, is saying, you better get ready. Now, someday, boom, it'll happen. You'll be raptured, and it's over, and whatever you're going to do for God is done. So you better get it done now. Oh, I need a better amen. But even if this Rosh Hashanah, the rapture doesn't take place. God seals on Rosh Hashanah your rewards for the whole rest of the year, right? Then we have seven years of tribulation till we get to Yom Kippur. Now, let me show you something. You have my talit. Let me show you something. I have six minutes. This will bless you. The Bible says... God tells his people then, the Jews, and we're now grafted into that. He said, I want you to take on your garment, on the four corners of your garment. And he says, I want you to put strings, knots, 613 knots representing the word of God on the corners of your garment. Now, let me show you something. Sardis is still alive, barely alive. But God says, if you turn around and say, you know what? I got to get done. When we get done, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start seeking God. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to praise God. This is not 
entertainment. This is worship leading. Do you understand the difference? This is not to sit there and go, I don't know if I like the rhythm of that. We lift up our hands. And then he said, if you do, I will give you a white robe. Can you pull up the robe, of the, the blue robe of the high priest? Five more minutes. Hold off with the piano. Just, I love what you're doing. But, uh, okay. This is the robe. That's, actually, that's not a good picture. The, the robe of the high priest, 364 days out of the year, is all blue. It's got a white tunic underneath it. This is not a good picture. It's got all blue, okay? The blue is called in Hebrew, teklet. And the blue of the teklet, the teklet blue. Now think about 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Everything was brown. Everything was beige. Nowadays, we've got every color there is imaginable. But back then, it was very, very expensive and very difficult to come up with colors. That's why wars were fought over this blue color called teclet, because it came from a certain snail, and one little gland, like the size of a... Uh, uh, um, like the size of a... Uh, yeah, like a... Um, a what? A pea, smaller than that, even like a, a zerkek, you know that it take it takes twenty thousand of those to make an ounce of this blue, and not only to find it, not only to find it, but they had lost how to do it. So the color blue wars were fought, kingdoms were destroyed over this blue color. Okay, I, I, I had all the good stuff, and I, I ran out of time. For 1,200 years, this color has been lost. Now, the blue is what the high priest wore every day of the year except one day. On Yom Kippur, bring back the white. Bring back the white. On Yom Kippur, he wore only white. He wore only white. Because white symbolizes truth that can't be turned around it can't be changed so on yom kippur the day of atonement every person that was sealed in god's book of life is sealed forever and ever and ever and so that's why he says if you'll turn around and repent not only will you not miss the rapture but i will seal And listen to me carefully, every truth and promise found in the word of God. Now watch this. So God tells the Jews, with your white tassels, I want you to take one blue tassel and interweave it in the white tassel. This is the color teclet. It's been lost for 1,200 years. Two days before... I went to Israel this last time. This rabbi professor from Boston sent me these books. And he wrote in there to Pastor Larry, thank you for loving Israel. And he sent me these books on a man by the name of Abraham Herschel. Herschel. But he sent me a book on the blue thread. And I didn't have a chance to look at it. 
Three days later, Scott and I are at dinner at, at, at uh, Sam's house for Shabbat. And he goes, hey, I want you to read this book. And it's the book on the blue thread. Now, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for. And he said, I said, I just got that book. I said, what, what's it about? He said, my neighbor right next door, he is a brilliant scientist working with rabbis. They found the snail. They found the ancient ways of drawing the little gland out of that snail. They found the way to mix it and with the sun and stuff, and it's come out with this blue thread called teclet. Why did God say for every one of us, why did God say for every one of us, I want you to have blue? When the blue is for the, the, the high priest. Because God is saying that through the Holy Spirit and through the presence of God, I am elevating every one of you because I am making you a nation of kings and priests. I am elevating you. It doesn't matter if you're behind the pulpit. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-home mom. It doesn't matter if you're a bricklayer. It doesn't matter if you're a, a rocket scientist. That when you stay in the presence of God, just like these were 24 uh, 24-7, 364 days a week, I will raise you up. You are a nation of kings and priests. And the power of God, folks, this is the key. We need to contend for souls to be saved. We need to contend for the presence of God to be here. And we need to contend for the anointing of the power of the Shekinah glory every moment of our lives. Do you receive that? Give the Lord a clap offering if you would. I'd like to have all of you stand with me and forgive me. I jumped, I jumped through so much of it. I was going to teach this in two sessions, but I really felt like we needed, we were gonna, God wanted to anoint us here. So what do we do? If you, the question is, are you the church of Sardis? Go ahead, brother. Are you the church of Sardis? Swindle said, if every Christian in the world was a Christian like you, how strong would the church be? Because we all have an individual mission before God, right? The moment before you were born, your soul, your spirit stood before the throne of God and he said, here's your mission. Here's your mission. Not only would this church miss the rapture, but they miss the privilege of the end time outpouring of God's spirit. The first thing we do is make sure Jesus is in our hearts. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, just for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. You say, Pastor, you know what? I need to get my life right with the Lord. Maybe you've never been saved, or maybe you haven't. Like Sardis, you've just kind of going through the motions, and you go, you know what? I need the Spirit of God back into my life. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just between me, you, and the Holy Spirit, you say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Lift your hand up all over the building. 
And just hold it there the whole time, if you would. Just hold it there. Hold it there the whole time. I, I, I know it'll take a minute or two. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. I see that hand, 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 that hand. God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand. Keep it up. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand hand, that hand, that hand, amen, God bless you, that hand, God bless you, anybody else, wave at me if you're just sticking it up right now, that hand, God bless you, would you give these wonderful people a great big round of applause, God bless you, now, I know we're three minutes over, and I'm really going to work on not being long, (laughs) But God really laid in my heart, looking at the Satan going after our kids, looking at, you know what all this is? All this is, is anti-God. Well, if they're going pedal to the metal anti-God, we need to go pedal to the metal pro-God. Right? Does that make sense? So I'm going to ask you to do something. Same thing I did when I first got saved. I'm going to ask you to, in just a second, come out of your seat. If you raised your hand, even if you didn't, and God's still speaking to you, come down and stand with Tiz and I and with the staff, with my family, your family, and let us speak a prayer over you. The Bible says, if we'll confess him before man, what did he just say to Sardis? I'll confess you before my father and the angels of heaven. And I'm going to tell you something, being on God's side is a good thing. Amen. And then we're going to pray a fresh anointing on all of us. What are we singing? Great are you, Lord. What? Great are you, Lord. Let's sing it. And as we sing it, can we have you guys that raise your hand come and meet us? Do me the honor. Give them a great big clap offering. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Right down in front. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on, church. Clap your hands. Encourage them. If there's someone next to you that raised their hand, or maybe your friend or brother or sister, maybe a stranger, grab them by the hand and say, come on, I'll come with you. Come on, keep clapping, keep encouraging. Keep encouraging. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I need our altar workers to look at this. What precious people. Come on. Come on, come on, church. Come on, church. Keep clapping, keep clapping. Come on, come on. There's more, there's more. There's more. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I need altar workers up here. I need altar workers up here. I need altar workers. Come on, church. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Now, you don't have to come down to pray the prayer. But I want to tell you something. There's something amazing. You feel like, well, what if people see me? Listen, I don't care who sees me as long as the one with seven eyes sees me. That's all that matters. But you know what? Every one of us has done the same thing. You feel like You know, if I go down and you take that first step. But the amazing thing is once you take that first step, 
you never walk alone again. Never. So if you want to come, come. Let's, let's close in the... They always stay away from me. I bathe. I bathe, don't I, Tiz? Usually on Wednesdays, but I bathe. Everybody stays away from me. I want you to lift your hands this way. You know, in, in the Bible says that we're the bride of Christ. And in a Jewish wedding, you get married under a chuppah. It's a canopy of God's protection. And so when you lift your hands over these people, you are God's chuppah. You're God's family bringing divine protection. And though we're saying this all together, God Almighty hears your voice. So let's close our eyes. And everyone in the building and everyone watching around the world, say this with me out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority because now you're the child of God. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home, my family, my future, my finances. I declare through the name and by his blood, every curse is reversed. Every blessing is received in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now give the Lord a clap offering. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. Now, here's here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to do on all of us. We need the Holy Spirit in, in every service that we're in. We need the Holy Spirit when we wake up on Monday. We need the Holy Spirit when we're dropping our kids off at school. We need the Holy Spirit. When you're dropping your kids off of school, lay hands on them. I'm going to talk more about this in the, in the coming weeks. You know what? I bind the devil from bringing the wrong people around our kids. I loosen the power of the Holy Ghost. But we need to understand we're leaky vessels. So when we come, when we come and we're playing the music, Lift up your hands. What you are is you're a vessel. You're a vessel. Fill me, Lord. God inhabits the God of healing, the God of miracles, the God of deliverance, the God of, of, that brings gold coins out of fish's mouth, water out of a rod. That God comes when we welcome him. I hate, I hate the teaching, well, Lord, if it be your will. That's what he says. He said, thy kingdom come. That's one like stamping of it, thy kingdom come. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to get an army going. Full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the understanding. And I'm telling you something, the best is yet to come. Lift your hands this way. Lift your hands this way. Father, in the name of Jesus. Now, when I say now, 
I want everyone to begin to clap, cheer, shout, speak in tongues. Some of, some of your tongues are a little rusty. We need to get the we need to get the, our, our tongues lubricated with the Holy Ghost. When I say now, I want you to just go Pentecostal on us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we open our hearts, our lives, our spirit. Father, refill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Refill us that we will have that personal divine encounter through the power of Shekinah glory. Father, lead us and guide us and teach us. Give us power, strength, boldness, courage in Jesus' name. And we receive it right now. Clap your hands. Come on. Clap your hands. Shoriama Sarada Borando Sarada. Orama Masita de Lebeleamo. Sharalama Marabasar. Fill us, Lord. Fill us. Give us a manifestation of your presence, God. Orama Sarada Borabamarabasando. I'll leave you with this. I'm 12 minutes over. I'll leave you with this. The latter rain will be greater than the farmer. I didn't go through a nine-step program to get delivered of heroin and cocaine. I got saved. I got baptized, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me leave one more thing with you. On the day of Pentecost, and this is why we teach the Jewish roots. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, this is that. And they said, what must we do? Repent, give your life to the Lord, be baptized. Baptism is a breaking of limitations to every negative thing you've been around. It's not joining the church. It's not outward sign of an inward work. Jesus said, baptize me, John. And when he came out of that water, what happened? Holy Spirit, power of God, power of God came on him. Repent, get baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to start some classes. We're going to do some things, but one of them is we need everybody learning how to get filled and learn how to get other people filled because we need the Holy Spirit. Religion won't do it. Amen. So we're going to have a ba- actually a baptism today. Is that right? In the back. We're going into Easter. We're going into Resurrection Sunday. We're going into Passover. We're going into, um, is it next Friday, Shabbat Hagadul? Following Friday, Shabbat Hagadul, the great Sabbath. It's a time of miracles. Then on Good Friday, we're going to do a miracle service. We're seeing miracle healings, not like I had a cold. And I mean, it's good to got to heal your cold, but I'm talking miracles. And ancient Jewish wisdom said, when you've experienced it, you need to share it. And so we want you to get ready. But I'm telling you something, folks. I believe we've turned the corner every Sunday. Let's bring somebody to get saved get somebody that's backslidden, get somebody that's fallen away. Let's get them saved. Let's get them filled with the Holy Ghost. 
and the shadow of God's going to cover us. Amen. I love you guys. Father, bless us as we go. Father, use us this week as vessels of honor in evangelism, in blessing, in prayer, in kindness, in boldness, in courage, in strength. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's people shouted,